Listeners, welcome to the very first episode of Yelling About Star Trek, where I yell about all things Star Trek, and you listen so my friends and family don't have to. Today, I want to talk about the gem of a show that is known as Cobra Kai, and some of the lessons that I think Star Trek Picard can learn from that series going into Season 2. But before I get started with all of that, I just want to explain who I am why I love Star Trek, and why I'm making this podcast, and hopefully why you should listen to it. My name is Chris Fox, as you probably already guessed. I'm 29 years old, and I've been a Trekkie my entire life. I love the franchise. Uh, I think everything about it is amazing. Even the stuff that I don't like about the franchise, I still love. Things like space rocks and why are rocks coming out of the consoles? Why do consoles explode all the time? Why does no one wear seatbelts? How come no one can finish a meal? Those are all things that irritate me, but I love nonetheless. So the reason I want to record this podcast is because I want to be able to say all the things about it and not irritate it. people that might be listening to me. So I thought, hey, the podcast is probably a good idea because I can say everything I want to say about the franchise, but hopefully, you know, engage listeners who actually want to hear my theories on Star Trek and not friends and family who are like, all right, we get it. You like Star Trek. Stop talking about it. Okay, let's move on. Thank you. So, you know, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And we will see how this goes. So, as I said, I love Star Trek, as you know, because this is a whole podcast about it, but the reason I love it is because I grew up watching it um, as a kid. I can recall uh, a vague memory of uh, me when I was maybe two or three years old. And my mom, you know, had Star Trek on and she put me on her lap. And I saw a glimpse of Worf and started crying, which is uh, kind of a horrible thing to do. Because, you know, it's really not a nice thing to... Uh, start crying when you see someone's forehead. It's kind of insulting, but I was just a kid. And that forehead was nothing like I'd ever seen before. But then from that point forward, I started watching it and started getting into it, even though I didn't fully understand it. And I remember even sweet-talking my babysitters at the time to let me watch Star Trek The Motion Picture instead of watching Barney or Sesame Street, which I actually did love those shows. But Somehow they let me watch the motion picture, which at the time scared me a lot. That music in the in especially in the the uh, Klingon attack just creeps me out. I still love it, and Ilea used to give me the creeps too because of uh, you know her voice when she became the Ilea probe. But all those things I, I love. That's a bit of a tangent. I will continue. So yeah, I got into it at a very young age. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, my parents went through a pretty nasty divorce. A lot of uh, divorce shenanigans ensued, as you can probably imagine. And Star Trek kind of helped me through that. Because at 4 o'clock every afternoon, I could come home. I could turn on Channel 50. I think it was Channel 50, uh, which used to be space back in the day. And I could turn on TNG or Voyager or whatever they happened to be playing. And I knew that for 45 minutes, I would be in this magical world where everybody did the right thing. I could look up to everyone. And no matter what craziness ensued in the episode, everything would go back to normal by the end because they'd save the day. 
and they would uh, fly in to the next episode the next week. And then by the next week, everything would be, again, back to normal, and it would be as if that never that other episode never happened, which I love because I like that consistency and this idea that no matter how bad things got between my parents and in my own life, things, you know, would still be good. You know, there was hope for consistency, which I got to see every week with Star Trek. Now, moving on to the topic of the show is Cobra Kai and what Star Trek Picard can hopefully learn from that series. And you might be asking yourself, well, what does Cobra Kai actually have to do with Star Trek Picard? Well, they're very different shows and they contain different subject matters. But the reason I like to compare them or want to compare them rather is because both series are about legacy characters coming back uh, from a very long screen absence. But yet somehow uh, Cobra Kai achieves what Picard failed to do, which is bring back the original characters, make them who you kind of remember while also giving them depth. And even the show, to a larger extent, is very much Karate Kid, but done in such a way that it feels new and fresh, where Picard tried to be so new and fresh that it didn't feel anything like The Next Generation. Now, I know that Patrick Stewart, in a lot of the actual uh, press interview said that no, Star Trek Picard was not a sequel to Next Generation and he wanted to be fresh, which was very fresh, but it didn't feel anything like The Next Generation. So I really think that there's a lot that Star Trek Picard in Season 2 can learn from Cobra Kai. Now, having watched both the series, I think that there are three main lessons that Star Trek Picard can take away from Cobra Kai. The first lesson being that you don't need to rely on the sad old man trope. And now this is a trope that I call the sad old man trope. Uh, actually, I heard the, the term used in an honest trailer for, I believe it was for The Last Jedi or one of the new Star Wars movies. I can't remember which one, but they used that term and I thought it fit perfectly. And that's kind of the tendency for um, Hollywood and uh, you know other television studios and whatever studios making a new movie where they bring back old characters, they often turn them into sad old men who are not uh, like they used to be and a kind of a, a shadow of them of their former selves, if you if you will. Um, and that's something that we saw in Star Wars. You know, you had uh, Han Solo, and he wasn't quite as heroic as we remember him. You know, he was supposed to get married to Leia, which he ended up doing, uh, but then his son. Uh, you know, went to the dark side and became Kylo Ren, and he was miserable. They got a divorce, and then it was like about basically him and Chewie running around trying to find the Vulcan, which they finally did, but they were still getting into the same kind of trouble they got into when they, you know, first appeared in A New Hope. So there wasn't a lot of character growth, and they kind of made them miserable. And even worse than that, in my opinion, was the way they handled Luke Skywalker Luke Skywalker, at the end of Return of the Jedi, is supposed to be this amazing Jedi who you know, okay, he's going to go and restart the Jedi Order. He's a total badass. Uh, he's confident, and he's definitely going to be even cooler when we see him in The Last Jedi, which we were all excited about. Then you get into The Last Jedi, and what has Luke been doing for the last 30 years? He's been running around his little island role-playing Stardew Valley, milking space cows, being miserable, and just going on about how the Jedi suck. Oh, the Jedi are terrible. The Jedi are terrible. The Jedi are terrible. 
And then Ray comes along and says, hey, you got to train me. And he's like, no, I'm not going to train you. I'm not going to train you. The Jedi are terrible. Jedi are terrible. You, you got to leave me alone. Eventually, Luke does train her and, you know, eventually shows up at the end of the end of the last Jedi, saves the day, really cool, but my gosh, seeing him that way was just hurtful. And again, the same thing happened in the main show we're talking about today, Star Trek Picard. Picard, as you all know, is one of the greatest leaders of uh, Star Trek history, um, or rather Starfleet history, he's Captain Picard of the USS Enterprise, he saves the day millions of times in the sh- in the series he's legendary stopped the borg did all these incredible things and then where do we find him in in sergeant picard just roaming around uh his vineyard becoming vineyard picard making wine and which is fine to some extent yeah okay the vineyard that's part of his heritage and you know it's his it's his family home but someone pointed out on youtube why not have picard still you can still have him retired but why not have him on some planet doing some archaeological thing, an archaeological digger, or, or some something like that, where it's like showing that, hey, he's retired, but he's still living life and still uh, just as cool as he was back in the day, back in uh, Next Generation. And by that same extent, why not have Picard, who's still someone who's revered in, in Starfleet, rather than like, ah, oh, here's Picard again, here's that jerk, I'm just gonna, he's gonna come into my office and tell me he needs a ship, and we're gonna, we're gonna say the F word for the first time, which was a little weird, I got, I got past that, but nonetheless, it's like, okay, have Picard become the good and strong leader that we remember, um, and bringing this back to Cobra Kai, the reason I think we can avoid that trope is because of Danny LaRusso. Danny LaRusso, when you see him in Cobra Kai for the first time, he's living the good life. He's still incredibly successful. Uh, he has his own car dealership. He's famous. And even more important than that, he's happily married and has two kids. So he's living kind of the ideal life. So it's like nice to know that, hey, we haven't seen Daniel LaRusso for 30 years, but hey, he's been doing well. And yes, granted, there is more conflict in the series and a lot of conflict, um, which is necessary because, well, without conflict, why would you bother watching a show um, or a movie for that matter? But it's done in such a way that Daniel LaRusso, Daniel LaRusso is still successful and everything that he does, you understand and you get. So in summary, the lesson that I think Cobra Kai can actually teach Chadrick Picard is that you don't need to rely on the sad old man trope, and you can actually have your legacy characters be successful while still acknowledging the fact that time has passed, so they're in a different place than they were 20 years ago or 30 years ago, but they are still just as awesome as we remember. Now, the second lesson I think Star Trek Picard can learn from Cobra Kai is that of iconography and the fact that you should keep iconography wherever possible. One of the things that uh, works in Cobra Kai is the fact that they go to some of the same locations and they have some of the same kind of familiar settings that you would expect to see. So for example, they have the All Valley Tournament Gym, which they kind of uh, bring back for the end of the first season 
Um, but not only that, you actually get to go to the apartment that was in the first movie. And then even where Miguel lives is very reminiscent to the apartment complex that uh, Danny uh, moved into in Karate Kid Part 1. So those things are very similar. You have, again, you have those kinds of things. You also have the country club that was in the first movie, and it makes many appearances uh, throughout the series so it's a nice callback it's a bit modern because obviously it's in present day and not 1984 but still it looks familiar enough that you're like oh I remember that that's where they went to in the first movie so they do a great job of balancing a lot of the iconic uh, locations while of course updating it because it is uh, taking place in present day but yet Star Trek doesn't seem to do any of that with the iconography they do have some things that are, um, you know, quite classic and iconic. There's the holographic uh, model of the Enterprise D. There's also a scene where Captain Picard goes to the archives and checks out his safe and uh, uses a pad. And you can see the uh, kind of the updated version of the L cards, which is great. That's fantastic. But then for the majority of the series, you don't see any of that because they're not on board a Federation ship. They're on board... Uh, kind of a rebel ship that, um, you know, isn't part of Starfleet. So the interior is all dark, looks very dark and gritty, something that you'd expect to see in Battlestar Galactica, but not Star Trek. And then on top of that, you don't have any of the classic super bright control panels like the L cars. You instead have the kind of holographic interface that they use, which is very reminiscent of Iron Man in the Marvel movies, which I love the Marvel movies. I love the Iron Man look. It's iconic, but it's iconic for Marvel, not for Star Trek. So the problem is when you're watching that show, you don't get the feeling that it really is Star Trek and you don't really feel like, ah, we're back in the Star Trek universe. I think of it this way. If someone were to randomly flip channels, someone who is not, not a Trekking, who doesn't know it inside out, if they were flipping channels and then Star Trek showed up, they might not stop and watch it because it's Star Trek, but they will probably think, oh, that's Star Trek. I recognize that because of the really colorful uniforms and the super bright control panels. I know that Star Trek, I'm, so I'm going to skip it, but I know it's Star Trek. And if you were to take that same person and have them flip through channels and stumble across Picard, unless they specifically saw Picard, they probably wouldn't know that it was Star Trek. Because, again, there's no identifiable super bright color control panels, the L cars, there's no bright uniforms. Uh, well, there are a few uniforms, sometimes that you do see when they kind of show Starfleet officers or they show a flashback. But generally speaking, it's not a show where there's a lot of uniforms, which I understand why they didn't do that, but there's nothing really identifying it to make it look like Star Trek, the Star Trek that we remember. Of course, one of the challenges bringing an old show like Star Trek into the modern age is trying to take something that looked futuristic in the 90s and updating it so it still feels like Star Trek while at the same time not looking outdated. And they did that a little bit when they did do it, but for the most part, that wasn't really there. So I think they can take that lesson from Karate Kid, I mean Cobra Kai, and realize that, you know what, we can still use a lot of the same iconic things, but update it and make it look fresh and new. Now, moving on to the third and final lesson. The final lesson that Picard can learn from Cobra Kai 
is the fact that you don't need to bring back your uh, legacy characters and make them do really dark things that are there to create drama and tension. I mean, you can have your characters doing things that cause drama and create tension, but you don't have to make them so dark that they're unforgivable. For example, in Cobra Kai, Daniel LaRusso does do a lot of things that instigate the plot and make sure that the plot is being progressed. Maybe some things that are kind of silly, like maybe, ah, Daniel, if you didn't do that, you know, none of this would be happening right now. But it's understandable in the situation, and we understand that as viewers, um, we want to watch shows where things happen, so we know that, okay, they are going to do things to progress the plot, and they're not always going to make the most rational decision. But at no point in the series does Daniel do anything that you're like, whoa, I can't believe he did that. I don't know if I want to watch Cobra Kai anymore. I don't know if I'll ever be able to see Daniel in the same light ever again. Yet, Picard does that with Seven of Nine. When Seven of Nine comes aboard, it's great to have her back and, you know, where we were all excited to have her become Seven of Nine again. And yes, granted, she was different and she wasn't speaking like Seven of Nine, but that made sense within the context of the show that, well, you know, she's been human for over 20 years now and she's learning how to speak like a human as opposed to someone that was just uh, freed from the Borg. So that makes sense. But the one thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way and that really damages her character is when she flat out murders someone in cold blood. And even though, yes, this person was a bad guy, she probably deserved it. I don't think anyone really deserves to be murdered. But, you know, on TV, rules are different when it comes to that. But yet, she killed her in cold blood. In fact, Picard talked her out of it and she said, okay, I won't do that. But then she went back and did it. And that's kind of a hard thing to watch because this is a character that we all looked up to, or at least I looked up to. And then to have her kind of murder someone in cold blood just kind of dirties the character for me. And I still watch Voyager all the time and I still enjoy the character. But in the back of my mind, it's like, oh, I know that Seven of Nine in 20 years is going to kill someone. So I think that was uh, an unfortunate choice that the writers made. And I think it did a, a disservice to Seven of Nine. And Jerry Ryan, who who plays her. So I, I really feel like they can, you know, take a lesson from Cobra Kai and acknowledge that, hey, we can have our characters do things that create drama. Granted, again, they don't always make the best decisions, and sometimes they might be a little bit petty, which we sort of forgive because it's a TV show, and it has to move the plot forward. But it does, but they don't do anything, or sorry, in the case of Cobra Kai, Danny doesn't do anything that we would say, whoa, okay, I don't think I can ever watch him again, or I'm not a huge fan of Danny LaRusso. Um, so I really think that Picard can say, you know what, let's try to redeem Seven of Nine, and let's make sure that when we bring back legacy characters in Season 2 or Season 3, or however many seasons there are, let's make sure they're not doing anything that would really and truly ruin the character beyond repair. So that's just a little bit about my thoughts on uh, what Picard can hopefully learn from Cobra Kai uh, going forward into Season 2. Uh, but what do you think? Do you agree with any of my uh, ideas or do you disagree with them? I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, if you enjoyed what you just heard, I'd love to get that positive feedback. If you have concerns about what I said or think that I can make some improvements, I'd love to hear that too. Thank you very much and we will see you next time.